I can feel miracles, signs, and wonders following this episode. I can feel chains being broken. I can feel deposits coming down from the kingdom right on the inside of you. I can feel as I rub my hands together, healing, working power. I can feel breakthroughs and breakthroughs and more breakthroughs and more breakthroughs ready to break out. I can feel a great sense of Holy Spirit moving like never before. I can feel the might of God being exposed like never before. I can feel people's giftings and people's talents being sharp and activated like never before. I can see the Christ in you being like never before. I see you reaching your full potential and knowing what to say, knowing because you're going to have whatsoever you say so you know what to say forevermore. I can feel what God is doing right now in the midst. I can feel breakthroughs. Upon breakthroughs, upon breakthroughs, upon breakthroughs for you. Now stay attentive. Stay attentive. Because during this time of us coming together, spending more time together and learning and communicating with one another, we have to really have a great respect for our social status regarding one another. You have to know your place and my place with a person. You have to be so tuned in to the purpose of the connection that you don't allow Negative emotions to get in the way to disconnect a powerful connection. Cannot get upset when someone who you would not be with begin to prosper. And we feel like, okay, prosperity comes with people finding more people and they come alongside with more things that they don't have time for me anymore. We cannot think that prosperity comes with statements Don't forget I helped you to become who you are. We cannot allow statements like that to fall under prosperity. It cannot even work. It's contrary. How many times someone excel and on a rise and you felt like, okay, well, now is the time for you to go on with other people because maybe you're just too important now to be around me or want to be around me anymore. We can't think like that. I have to be okay that you're not a person to call me every day, but you may call such and such all the time. See, the love has to be mutual. I can't just give all of me to Samantha and don't give any part of me to Sarah. See, I may watch TV with Samantha and I may, you know, soak and pray with, you understand, Sarah, But it has to be mutual. It has to be mutual. 
Because if I do something less with you and show less honor to you, it's me having you to feel that you are insignificant to me. And it's going to show. Because we always going to tell. Without opening our mouths. How we feel about people and how we see the importance and how we receive people because of their importance to us. It has to be mutual. No one should ever be around me and say, okay, well, Q don't know me. That's why she don't talk to me. That's why she walked right past me. See, I may be a person to do something different with you than I do with them. I have to make sure that it's mutual. Make sure that no love is lost amongst you and I. No value is lost. No honor is lost. Because nothing is lost. Sometimes someone can say, I need someone to help with this. And everybody sit there and just, okay, 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 I would do this, I would do that. And then someone come with the same type of, you understand, opportunity presented. And they only get two people. Well, I must not be important. Oh, but you are. We have to stop thinking when people don't respond to what we do in a way we want them to and expect them to. That they are hating on us. See, when we have that type of attitude, that's what's keeping them away from us. See, if we've been relational, we have to know what's inside of us in order to relate to anybody to know what's inside of them. See, if I hate what you do that you know you shouldn't do, then I must not have that on the inside of me. If I hate your nasty attitude, I shouldn't have one on the inside. If I hate you being impatient, then I should be patient inside. If I hate that you don't use your faith, then I should be faithful in what I do. How can I hate you being unfaithful and yet I'm unfaithful too? How can I hate your nasty attitude and I have one too? Some of our lack of respect for one another, it keeps us away from each other. Who wants to be around rejection? Rejection is set up to not accept. What we have in our hearts, people can feel it. If it's not real, people can feel it. If we're not paying full attention, people can feel it. If someone asks me what they just say and I can't tell them because I didn't care. If a person feel and see and encounter that we don't care, they're not going to be there. I can't be nice to you sometimes. It shouldn't take for somebody to tell me to call you. It shouldn't take for somebody to tell me to come around you. It shouldn't take for somebody to tell me to honor you. It shouldn't take for somebody to tell me to pray for you. It shouldn't take for somebody to tell me to love for you. It shouldn't take for somebody to tell me to acknowledge you. If I'm walking like Christ, so if I walk 
walking like Christ or am I not? Because no one shall remind me how to walk Christ-like if I have the mind of Christ. We're showing too much of lack of honor towards people and they feel like it's okay to accept. We shouldn't be accepted because you are having whatever you say and that's what you're going to receive. Same goes for me. So if I say in my heart, I'm not going to honor you that much, then that's going to be my reality. What I do unto you Think about how much God is going to do for me because it's not selfishness. If I choose not to call you, if I choose not to answer you back, if I choose to wait to congratulate you instead of on the day that I see to congratulate you, if I choose to do something on purpose, if I choose to misspell your name on purpose, if I choose to not invite you on purpose, if I choose to deny you on purpose, if I choose to grab everybody but you, if I choose, What's so amazing about Jonah and the big fish is that the fish became pregnant by mouth. And the Bible, it says Jonah was in the belly, so that whale became impregnated by mouth. With a human being. Do you know how uncomfortable that fish had to be? Jonah in the well, excuse me, in the fish belly for three days and three nights. You know he had to move around because in the Bible it says when he began to pray and humble himself. He in the presence of God. You can imagine what it's like inside. He's still breathing. He's still praying. He's still praising. He still has the ability to do what's in dry land inside of the belly of a big fish. So here's a mystery. When the fish coughed him out, it was at night. It was before 12 a.m. the next day. Because if it was after 12 a.m., it would have been four days and three nights. And God said he was in the belly three days and three nights. So that night, he got coughed out. Now you imagine that being spit out Spit out of the belly at night in a sea. Let's back it up a little bit. Four hundred years of slavery, and the Pharaoh 
that Moses was approaching was just doing what the previous Pharaoh done and the one before that. And all of a sudden, God hearkened the heart of a Pharaoh that would normally refuse to let his people go to say, let them go. As a matter of fact, let's give them our things. Get them up out of here. Get them up out of here now, quickly. Get them out of here. And as they walking, they get to the sea and they like, how are we going to, where are we going to go from here? Then all of a sudden, most begin to go unto God and pray unto God. Then there goes God, mighty act. There goes God, mighty act. He made a path in a sea for them to walk through. And those who were chasing after them begin to experience the miracle from a different God than theirs. They're stepping because they're chasing them. Then God began to swallow them up because they were walking in the path, but they wasn't purpose for the promise. So they had to what? Perish. They wasn't promised, so they had to perish. And that's the problem. When it came to the ark of God, the holy box, they thought to bring it because they were losing the war with the Philistines. So they thought, let's get the holy box and bring it. And you know, it's going to be good because God's going to help us. That's going to have them scared when they see our God in the box. And then in the Bible it said, Hophni and Phinehas helped them carry it, which are the sons of Eli. And we all know they were very rebellious. They slept with women, took advantage of people's money. They didn't even give God his sacrifice. They didn't want the meat that was boiled for them to take from the servant, for them to eat. They wanted their meat roasted. They wanted the best part, but God supposed to have the best part. So they kept trying to deny God what belongs to him. And God told Samuel in his first prophecy, I'm going to curse Eli's family. His son's going to die the same day. Their family will not inherit any promise. And no sacrifice they can ever make that's going to ever change my mind. And Samuel looking like, why this have to be my first prophecy? And I have to give it to the man who raised me? And Eli said, well, if God said it, it has to be so. So they carry a holy box. And they go to the temple of Dagon. After they lose... And they take the holy box, the Philistines, and you know, they take it to the temple of Dagon, a false god. So they sit the holy box beside a statue. And guess what happens? They come back the next day and Dagon is lying flat-faced in front of the holy box like he's bowing before. 
So they put him back in position and left. Came back the next day. He's at the door front. And his fingers, everything, hair cut off. It's just the middle of his body sitting somewhere. And the rest sitting, you know, not too far. And until this day, they still don't go inside the Temple of Dagon for that reason. They're too afraid to go inside. Because they were trying to understand, now, who did this? It was God. So God began to strike them with tumors and mice and all these things. So to make a long story short, they made it to Ashdod, Giza, Ashkelon, Gath, and Akron. And they made five mice statues just for those five different places. And they took the box and given it back. Get this box up out of here. Just like Pharaoh said, get these Israelites out of here. And they begin to take the box back to Beth Shemesh. But 70 men looked and they died. Because they looked in the box. They began to look in a place where they're not supposed to, apparently. And it says that they fell dead and they began to cry unto God for the harshness of their death. Like, why did you? Just like Usa carrying in a parade, David leading. It's not, you know, sturdy. It wasn't sturdy. So what happened was it started out being sturdy and then it started being very loose. And they were losing control over the box. And they didn't want to drop it in the middle of a parade. So Usa, you know, grabbed it. And the Bible says, and he fell to his death because he touched it. So I'm going to go deeper with that. But anyway, there goes God on our behalf. The execution for Daniel was to be eaten by lions, but he wasn't. But he wasn't. And a man didn't mean to have him put in there, but he written down, you understand, it was like pretty much a new writ or a law. That had to go into an effect and he had to abide by his own written word. And the man did that because he was jealous of Daniel. And the king that didn't even worship our God, he fasted unto our God and prayed for the safety of Daniel. He was afraid to go and see what he probably didn't want to see. So he just called out to Daniel to see if he answered back to know if he's still alive. And Daniel answered. You can imagine how he felt to hear him still be alive. Because if he was dead, he would have blamed himself. You can imagine how they had to go and get Judas' corpse and give him a proper burial. Because he was an original 12 disciple. He did walk with Christ. He did pray with Christ. He prayed with them, went to church with them. They were together for some time before the Passover came for it was time for him to be crucified. 
by being betrayed, rejected, and denied. You can imagine Ruth and Naomi. Orpah went back home. She went back to Moab. They on their way to Bethlehem because the word has to be fulfilled. God says that there's going to be a king who comes from Bethlehem out of the lineage of Christ. If it wasn't for Ruth marrying Boaz, it wouldn't have been Orpet, their son, Opet, who is the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David in Bethlehem, like the word says. And that's why they rejected Christ, because they were thinking about where he was raised and not where he was born. Well, how can you be Messiah? They said Christ would come from the same place where David was born. He was born in Bethlehem. He just didn't stay. See, born and raised are two different things. And many of us can be born and raised in one place, but he wasn't. He was born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth. That's why I say you don't know anything. Like I said about the 10 virgins. There are over 1 million lessons in every parable. It's imagery. The first mistake that the five who had extra oil made was that they didn't advise the other five how important it is to get theirs too. Because you can tell they all live together. They live the same lifestyle. So we watching you all not having no extra oil. And we know y'all going to run out. But we not even going to mention it. That's like saying, I know you should have came to work because I knew they was going to call a meeting and they told us not to take off, but you forgot and I didn't want to remind you. It's malicious. That's one lesson out of the parable. They didn't give them no advice. They didn't help them. And if they really wanted to help them, they wouldn't have sent them away. They wouldn't even watch them walk away. Now nah, you don't have to walk away because you two get together. You two get together. You two get together. And us two get together. And we good because we already at the destination for the bridegroom to come. We already here. So we don't have to go anywhere else. Let's just stand and link up. Let's just stand and link up. 
Don't go anywhere. You can't afford to go nowhere. You can't afford to go out of your true identity. You can't afford to go to the left or the right. You can't afford not to go to church. You can't afford to, you understand, not walk in your godly character. No, don't cuss. No, don't get mad. No, don't grow weary. No, don't quit. No, don't hang up the phone. No, don't slam the door. No, don't fuss. No, don't fight. No, don't separate. No, don't deny. No, don't bend your feelings. No, don't be rude. No, don't be disrespectful. No, don't victimize yourself. No, don't go out that way. No, keep looking up. No, don't look down. No, don't go to sleep. Wake up and let us pray. No, don't accept that doctor's report. No, don't keep getting those loans. No, no, no. We're going to believe God. No, don't go on these dating sites. No, no, wait on God. No, don't speed. Slow down. No, don't push people down the road. Don't get impatient at the line by the register. Don't look behind you to see if anybody else looking frustrated. No, don't. No, don't rush. No, don't be late and you know you can be on time. Nah, nah. I realize if a person is 100% and another person is not, they have two options. To come alongside with you and come up higher or to deny you and stay where they are. But no, don't stay where you are. No, don't get comfortable. We're going further than this. Can you imagine how Joseph felt? All those years, more than a decade, him and Benjamin, the only one with the same mother. There's nothing like having the same mother and the same father. It's more of a close connection. And it's still a connection with the same mother or the same father. But Joseph and Benjamin are only two out of ten. Jacob had twelve, excuse me, he had thirteen children. Because he had one daughter. Dana. Many say Dinah. Twelve boys and one girl. You can imagine how he felt when he seen them much more older than they were before. His brother was a boy. He seen him as a man. You're Benjamin. First of all, he knew those were his brothers who did not know it was him. You know why? Because they already thought in their mind he's dead. There's no more Joseph. What did they tell Benjamin? The same thing they told Jacob? Do you know what had to happen with that conversation? Joseph, why didn't you come home if you weren't dead? They said you got, hold on, what happened that day, Judas? Excuse me, Judah. <laughs> Felt like Judas. What happened that day, Judah? 
What happened that day, Simeon? What happened that day, Levi? What happened that day, Nathalie? What happened that day, Zebulon? What happened that day, Isaac? What happened that day, Asher? What happened that day, God? What happened? If you say he got eaten and he didn't, what happened to my son? I already lost his mother. What happened to my son? Now imagine if one of them said, imagine they had been Joseph, the one who said, because he learned the lesson. Then what happened was you favored me more than all the others. That coat you made for me was the last time you seen me. I went to go show my brothers the coat. And it wasn't okay. You didn't make them no coat either, Dad. You should know how it is. Because your father treated Esau better than you. Isaac favored Esau and Rebecca favored Jacob. You already know what favoritism is like, Dad. And you did that unto me. So you received that generational curse and you try to pass it on to me. That's what happened, Dad. God had to have you all to humble yourselves because my brother shouldn't be hating me. My brother shouldn't be jealous of me. My brother shouldn't be wanting me to be away from them, wanting me dead, but didn't want to kill me. That was the, that's what their first suggestion was. Let's kill him. No, he shares our blood. We can't. You had to learn a lesson, Dad. I had to learn a lesson, too. Because I was gloating. I was enjoying the favoritism. Because I kept rubbing in their face. Now, imagine Joseph saying something to his brothers like that. I'm sorry. I was acting like a big brat, brothers. It don't give you the right to train me like that. To sell me. To sell me like that. You sold me. I was hurting. I was thinking about you guys every day. Every day turned to, you know, months and months turned to years. Do you know I was in prison for something I didn't do? I don't know about no prison. I don't know about no Egypt. I'm from Canaan. Come on, brothers. He swallowed up all of that in that room. While he was taking those garments off, I know it hurt, but it's your time. You can't deny them. You can't deny them. You can't get mad. You can't throw it in their face. I know they did this. I know they said that. I know you feel like that. I know, I know, I know, but it's okay. It's all for the glory. I'm not walking that way now. I'm not living that way now. I'm walking in prosperity now. I'm receiving a double portion now. I'm seeing the outside of a thing now. God has been with me. God has, you are always protecting me. God faithful towards me. Nothing happened to me. I'm still here and I'm better than I ever been before. And my family just prospered because I prospered. And God says, so shall your seed prosper. Here's my twins too. And I learned how to not treat them how I was treated. I would not show them any favoritism. And you can tell Joseph learned the lesson. Because Jacob was trying to bless Ephraim and Manasseh is the oldest. And Jacob said, and Joseph said, no, you blessed the oldest one. He tried to grab the youngest one's hand, and Joseph took his hand out of his father's hand and moved his father's hand. No, you're not going to do what you've done to me to my kids. I cursed that generational curse down. You understand? Hallelujah. See, 
you can tell that, you know, Esau and Jacob were fraternal twins because one was hurrier than the other and he had disguised himself a little more to be as Esau in front of Isaac because the thing is, Isaac was blind so he could tell their identity by how they feel so they must have felt different. You understand? There are a lot of key points in the Bible that can really open up your eyes, my eyes that receive a revelation, a mystery that be unfolded. Seeing things in a way we never see and it's right there in our eyes every time. Hallelujah. It's so amazing, isn't it? You can tell that Joseph's sons were, you know, identical twins because Jacob tried to act like he didn't know them apart. And Joseph said, no, this is Manasseh. So if he knew who which one was, that means that he knew that they had a difference, but they were identical because he tried to act like he didn't know the difference between the twins. So that shows right there they were identical. Hallelujah. If you have a background, you know, a biological background of twins, and even if it's identical, twins are twins. You may be currying fraternal. It may not always be the way how it was in the family. You may have the identical set while others have, you understand, fraternal. But I thank God for everything. You understand? It's so amazing. You got to look at Moses' story a little different too. You know, we looking at Moses. I would never, you know hit the rock when God says speak to it. I would have never gotten mad and dropped the templates. You have to realize Moses had to lead 12 tribes. Each tribe had over 20,000. Moses was walking with more than 1 million people and leading them to a promised land. And you got to realize they're having babies in between those 40 years. That's why God had them when they got there, Joshua had to circumcise them once they got there. Because there were some who wasn't circumcised on their journey to the promised land, which is stated in the word. Hallelujah. And you got to remember, some people marry outside of the family, you know, in different places. Just like Ruth is a Moabite and she married a man of God from Bethlehem. He married a Moabite, but she said to Ruth, I mean, Naomi, your God is my God. Where you go, I go. So right then there, she became converted. Hallelujah. And once you are converted, we can now what? Strengthen our brethren. And that's what she did. She strengthened her mother-in-law. I can't have no kids. No kids. Ruth, I'm old. I can't give you, you know, another husband. Go and get you. Go, go. I'm not leaving you. And I notice that's a love. That's a devotion. I'm not going anywhere. There's nowhere else to go. Every testimony in the world, I feel it. I would did the same thing Ruth did. Your God is my God. When you go, I go. 
I come against any of us ladies who mistreat our mother-in-law. Think we know everything? Try to keep the son away from his mother? Try to compete with a mother? That is so uncomfortable. My wife acting different. She didn't act this way before I married her. I had no idea she would act this way. Same goes with the men. With the daughters, with their father. There's no way God ever want a covenant to be that way. That's uncomfortable. There's no rest. There's no peace in that covenant. Some got kids and they not even accept it. Those not my kids. They became your kids when he became your husband. I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. We better learn what it is to have a covenant for real. Because I didn't know how bound I was to I became free for real. And I thank God I am free from every lie of the enemy. I felt like Joseph. Okay, it's all good. Yeah, I've been through this. Yeah, I've been through that. And you can be right you in the face of your accusers, right in the face of your betrayers, right in the face of your naysayers and who was used by the enemy to try to destroy you. And they right there position before you. What you going to do about it? It's all for the glory. Magnify the Lord with me. I'm blessed. You blessed. You blessed. You blessed. You blessed. We all blessed. Come on, so what? You hold a grudge? You didn't learn anything. You don't operate in God, operate like God, operate with God, like God. You didn't learn anything. I didn't learn anything in the process. So it was no progression. There was no progression. If I didn't learn anything from the lesson, prepare for marriage and get married and act the fool. Did I learn anything? Did I learn anything? See, Ruth learned something. And don't think Orpah didn't find out about Ruth's success. Remember, they were sister-in-laws. They're not that far away from each other, even though it's two different parts of town. Not that close, but not too far. She didn't know what's going on, what's going down. Because she became very wealthy very fast. Don't think it wasn't talked about. See, God knew that. They had property there. And Boaz was a kinsman. A kinsman redeemer. A redeemer kinsman. Many say kinsman. I say kinsman. Hallelujah. For real. Thanks be unto God. Moses had to lead over a million people. How do you think he felt? Had Joshua, Aaron, and Miriam with all those people who kept complaining 
over 1 million people complaining, crying out, arguing. Of course he was frustrated. How do you think Noah felt? God only told him and his home to go on the boat. The ark. Mm -mm. Let me look this word up, ark. Because there's an ark of God, which is an ark of covenant. I want to know what that means. It's more than just a ship. Because there's an ark of God in the covenant. See, and it's called the mercy seat. So what is the word ark? I got to look it up in Hebrew. Manishma. Say tov miod. I haven't spoken Hebrew in so long. It's a they just spelling it. They just telling it what they just describing what the Ark of Covenant is. But there is the Ark means something. It got to because there is an Ark that God had Noah to build, and there is an Ark of Covenant, which is the Ark of God that He had. Moses and them, Joshua and them, excuse me, Joshua and them to build. Moses too, yes, he did. And when the ark was stolen from, you know, from the Israelites to the Philistines, they were crying to God. They felt so bad that that's what they had to, you know, had them to encounter God and they felt like it was missing. That's like having a missing child from home, you know, like, oh my God, where's my kid? You're in the window waiting to hear something or waiting to see something. That's how Eli was. The Bible said Eli's eyes, wear, they were worn out. They, they were beginning to wear out before they even got into war. His eyes were wearing out when Samuel was a boy, when he heard the first prophecy, when God called him four times. You know, God said to him three times, you know, called him by name. But the third time, he went to Eli and said he did it again. And Eli said, now this time when he talks to you, listen. So that means he went back four times. Hallelujah. But three times he thought it was Eli. But he went to God four times and heard the voice of God. Isn't that amazing? You see how the Bible makes so much sense. And I'm telling you guys, we have to really, really see ourselves as a living Bible. Because you are a story that's being written and read about right now. And all somebody has to do, modern day technology, they don't have to look in no book. All they got to do is Google you and I. And whatever we put our hands to, it's going to come up on the site. Everything, whatever we are part of, it's on the site. Everything that you do and say is on the site. Everything that you accomplish with your name on it, using a sailor or computer device, it is on that site. Hallelujah. So I wanted my name to be known for being Christ-like regarding any site. Hallelujah. I love you guys so much. Just allow these words to really 
penetrate you, to perpetuate the atmosphere around you for great miracles to take place. Because you and I have to be aware how to just submit to what's happening and stay committed to submitting to what's happening. I have to treat all of you the same. I may do different things with you all, but none of you will feel like you're less valued or you're not honored. You understand? One of the worst things we can ever do is talk to someone all the time and, you know, don't really engage with them or have them to be a part of something that really means a lot to us. But we have to listen to the, you know, the testimonies in the Bible. Because God will give us an answer when we read the word. You see how Joseph said it's for the glory. You can imagine how his brothers, they were so afraid of him telling their father what really happened. How about telling Benjamin? How you think the guards felt the one that he told to put that that um that cup in Benjamin's bag? He told one of his workers to do it. And when they, you know, found it in his bag, he lied on his brother. How you think the guard felt? He didn't know what Joseph was gonna do with that. Like he thought he was giving the cup to for his brother to have as a present. Joseph didn't say, Oh, this is my brother. They had no idea who the men were. So they were like, why is Joseph acting so different? Why he acting so strange? He wants to give this man a cup and then say that he stole it. I don't want to put it in his bag because he told me to, but I'm not going to tell him because he could throw me in prison. Joseph never behaved this way until today. And you can tell the guards mind their business. They didn't say anything because they respect his authority. So they just let whatever happened with that cup, let that happen. He was testing his brothers because he was still in his feelings. So you and I have to be okay regarding our social status with one another. We have to be okay that we don't do with one that we do with all, but the love is still the same. You may not want to go to the movies with me. You may not want to go skating or something like that with me. I may not call you to even have that as a suggestion for you or not to do. But there are so many other things that we are going to do and that we are doing now. And that's coming together to hear a word from God, praying and everything. And so much to come from this. Hallelujah for real. Let's enjoy what comes with this. Let's enjoy what God is doing regarding this. I'm going to turn this off. Hallelujah. I'm shutting down. I don't want any of you to feel like, you know, you're not important. 
I want you to know, speaking for myself, you are very important. I don't have to call you every day to say that. I'm saying it now. You are important. God is really, you know, pushing me out there much more. You know, because I'm not used to some of the love that's coming my way. I mean, I have someone rubbing me on my back. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I have someone, you know, when we, you know, pray, they grope my fingers like they do everybody else's when they pray. They like to, you know, rub your fingers while you're holding hands and pray. Uh, no. <laughs> you do everybody like that? Everybody. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. You understand? I'm learning how to give brothers in Christ a hug. I didn't know what to do. I would give, like, my hand is extended and my arm is open, like, whatever one you want to take. I don't know what to do. You understand? I had to really, you know, learn, you know, that brothers in Christ don't think like men in the world. And I can't just see you guys, you know, opposite in the sense of I honor you more than the men that's acting worldly because God using us to go get them. And many of us treat people of the world like they just, you know, a different species. You know, and I just thank God for what's coming out of everything he's doing. We have to really look at God and see God for who he is. You understand for real? God is moving so much. Know that everything that we are encountering is for the glory. It's for the glory. It's for the glory. There are so many stories that we can talk about. God had John Mark to write a gospel in the New Testament, but John Mark is the same one who ditched out on Barnabas and Apostle Paul on a mission trip. I think it was Sicily. Many say Cecile. And he has a gospel he written. <laughs> How about this? John, which is Mark. The reason why they have it as Mark, but his first name is John. They don't want to confuse us by having two Johns. Like which one is which? So they just use you know, the nickname of John, which is Mark. So they just use Mark. And you know, Mark and Luke are not an original 12 disciple. Many don't know that. They think Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all walk with Christ. No, Luke and Mark, they were after Christ. They were friends of Paul. They were friends of Paul. And yet they have a gospel. They receive those revelations. That's why when it comes to 
the resurrection of Christ and the day that led them to the tomb. That's why it's in, you know, four different versions, but they still have the same, you know, setting, set, you know, foundation. They still have the same base about what's taking place, but the details are all different because they receiving what was given. And it's so amazing how Luke and Mark was way down and yet had clear revelations like that as if they were an original 12. Isn't that amazing? You know what I love about Apostle Paul is that he had written more people than I ever could imagine anybody writing letters. I've written my 30 some years worth of letters, but Paul was writing according to chapters. Do you know what I mean? Letters, there are it just a half a chapter. Some chapters were like 20. You understand? Some, excuse me, some books were like 27 chapters. Do you know one chapter is like probably five pages? Seven to nine pages. And he's writing all of them. First Corinthians, second Corinthians. He wrote them a second. First Thessalonians, second Thessalonians. A second time, a new era. You understand? Chronicles. He written them all. Not Chronicles. I meant to say Colossians. Excuse me. And I just thank God so much for everything. You know, um, I want you to know that. God is moving in your life like never before. You understand? He's moving like never before. And I don't want you to feel like that you are not honored. Hallelujah. Paul has written the most letters than any witness for Christ in the biblical times. He spent more time in jail than outside of jail. And you know what's so amazing about that? Is that he was the one locking people up for them to be persecuted for Christ. And yet he spent his persecution, you know, in prison, writing letters to bless the children of God. That they stay prayed up. But it's so amazing. Look how many were blessed by him being in prison. Like Wansimus, when it came to, uh, what book was that? Yeah, Timothy. Hallelujah. God said, go back and research it. It wasn't Timothy, excuse me. It was Philemon. Yeah. The owner, you know, the one who had Wansimus. And once him stole from him and escaped. And he got saved in prison with Paul, and Paul wanted to send him back. He let Wansomus know mm, that he's not gonna be murdered. Let Philemon know he's a changed man, so do me a favor, don't kill him, but take him back. And I'm just saying all that to say, what is God saying about you regarding our honor towards each other. 
not holding no grudge, not being upset. We letting things go. Hallelujah. It's not worth it. Getting upset in our feelings. Thinking less of, you know, each other or feeling like we're less significant to others because they don't want to do with us what they do to others. People may not want to go to no place with you that they would go with somebody else. They may want to do something else. But the thing is, the love is still mutual. For real, for real. I realize have people to feel comfortable to want to be around you. Same goes for me. Let people feel comfortable being around you. You understand? I'm going to tell you like this. Some people don't feel comfortable being around me. <laughs> no. And I had all kinds of reasons why. One person say because I can perceive that you can perceive what's in me. And I don't want what's in me to be exposed. And I know you see it. But the thing is, you got to listen to what you're saying. You see it and you know it's there. So why do you want to keep it there? Let's get it out. You're going to feel better because you're going to fill up that void with something that's already inside that you want to tap into. You understand? Hallelujah. I thank you, God, so much. Father, I want you to unlock some things that if it appears to be locked. Is there anything locked in anyone's life on here? Anything blocked that's, you know, blocking anything in anyone's life on here? How about I just command it and declare and decree that it be unblocked? That you have access to all the things that God wants to do in your life. Hallelujah. I love you. Greater is he who's in us than he's in the world.